drug addiction. International terrorism. Freeway killers. Now, more than ever, it's it is important to remember the, the true meaning of Christmas. Don't miss Charles Dickens' immortal classic, Scrooge. Your life might just depend on it. Here on IBC, you'll love it. Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about film that has gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me, because I'm just the luckiest girl in the world, is my good friend David William Rogers. Hello, what's to up, you. baby girl? How's it going? What's up? You know, it is what it is. It's the holiday season. Yeah. We're in the vibe. I have been forcing you to watch a lot of Christmas movies. We've got a lot of cool guests this month. You know, talking about. Tis the season to be jolly and fa la 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 la. So, we have an amazing guest joining us for this episode. She is a very good friend of both of ours, an incredible actress, a rising star. But before we get into chatting with this madame, we have a film to discuss today, David. What is the film? Oh, yes, yes. The film is Scrooge, 1988, directed by Richard Donner. And the writing credits go to Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donohue. This story is based off the Charles Dickens uh, Christmas Carol. And this is like the first adaptation that was also a comedy of a Christmas Carol. So it's pretty interesting. You got Bill Murray, you got John Glover, Bob Goldthwaite. I always mess his last name up, but he's a hilarious comedian. Um, Alfie Woodard and just a lot, a lot of like an older cast, right? This is 1988. So yeah, a lot of these people, yeah. you know, around our age might not know a lot of these names, but you talk about like Buddy Hackett, Lee Majors, um, and just a lot of people that were in this that had quite a career up until this point. You know, Karen Allen, uh, she plays uh, Bill Murray's love interest, Claire, and she was in a ton mm-hmm. of stuff. She was in like one of the mm-hmm. um, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, I believe. So a lot of these um, characters in this movie have had quite quite a film career. Totally. And yeah, I mean, if you don't know their names, you definitely recognize their faces because I feel like these are, you know, people in movies that we saw growing up and especially obviously Bill Murray, like what a fucking legend. But whose turn is it to do the synopsis, Mr. David? That would be your synopsis. Okay. Rock it out. You got this. I believe in you. Okay. The Christmas spirit is within you. I had never seen this movie pre-record and it was on a list. I'm very, you know, uh, on top of it. And I put together a list of movies that I thought would be good for this holiday season. And this was on it. So let me try this. So it's basically about a selfish, jumped up executive at a TV station. He's not good to his employees. He's really arrogant. And he essentially goes through the Charles Dickens version of like seeing the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present and the ghost of Christmas future. And he comes to realize he's a fucking jerk. And he like, you know, reconnects with the love of his life, Claire. And he 
fires a guy like on Christmas Eve and guy comes back with like a gun and he's just like, yeah, he basically learns to change his ways on live television. He, you know, revisits some family. He, you know, goes through all the motions of Christmas that I think we all go through where it's like, ah, you know, the holidays and bar humbug. But then he finds it. He finds that joy in the end of the year. So I had never seen this movie before. It was made the year I was born. Spoiler alert. I don't know how old I am. So I don't know how I missed this movie. It's definitely on a lot of Christmas lists, but it was eye-opening. As I think we've discussed before on the pod, when you go to look at movies that are from like more than 10 years ago, especially comedies, shit gets, <laughs> shit gets dicey, man. But before we jump into that, let's welcome our wonderful guest onto the pod. She's sitting here smiling at me over Zoom <laughs> because it is still the pandemic. Unfortunately, we're never leaving. Welcome to our lovely guest, Caitlin Simone. Hello. Hi. Hello, guys. What's up? Thank you for having me. Thank this is you. For... Super exciting. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've been trying to get Caitlin on the podcast pretty much since I think we started. Caitlin is friends with David and I through our other friend, Ashley, who we had on the podcast. And Caitlin, you are an actress of the television variety, mostly. Yes, yes, yes. that is my profession as of today. As of today. I mean, it changes every day. She hasn't yep. quit the industry in rage yet. And it's, you know, we still got time Not today. Yet. But Caitlin, tell us some of your credits. I mean, I know Empire. Uh, tell us, you know, wh- where you got started and some of the amazing shows you've had a chance to work on. Um, well, I, I started, I still get called Brit Brat whenever I walk down the street because I started on a show called The Game and I was like 13 working on there for about 10 years, roughly nine seasons. Um, and then I jumped to another show called The Quad, which was pretty cool. It's the first, um, I guess, series that they had based around HBCUs. So it was pretty cool to be a part of. And then um, most recently, uh, or Pre-COVID, I was on a show called Empire, as you just said, and I was kind of a triple threat on that show. So it was probably, I would say, the most exciting just because I got to utilize all my assets, you know? (laughs) The singing, the dancing, the acting. Yeah. Some of the costumes I would see, you send us pictures in the group chat, and I'd be like, damn, that girl's wearing very high boots. You were rocking them, walking around for hours. Oh, my God. It's so funny. It's so funny because, like, my first day on set, um, I met Taraji P. Henson and Terrence Howard. And I'm trying to play it cool because everyone else is playing it cool. And they're like, okay, well, now you got to get on stage and perform in pretty much nothing with some thigh high boots Mm -hmm. and do full on choreography. And I'm like, this is not how I want to meet these people. (laughs) This is not what I want to do. But like buy me dinner first. God, you know, how much much more did you have to get prepared for that with the act with the dancing and the singing compared to you just going on set knowing your lines building a character how much more time and effort went into that um i would say like i would say most actors when you're working on a series or sitcom you're roughly kind of like you're pretty much prepping right before you go up so you have that prep but then every day that you're off you have dance rehearsal and every other day that you don't have dance rehearsal, you're recording a song. <laughs> so so I was working on the weekends. It was 
every Very single intense. day. There living were in, people, living in Chicago, right? That's where you were based. Yeah. I loved Chicago. I always say it's an underrated city. But there were there were so many people on the show that were just, you know, actors. And it was so awesome because everyone kind of had their own role, um, like literally. But um, people would be like, oh, like, let's get dinner tomorrow. And the singer actors would be like, no, we have dance rehearsal and we need to record a song. So we can't. <laughs> yeah, you damn actors, like enjoy your free time. I'm going to go over here and do all these things. I know it's, I think people think being on set is very glamorous and certainly there are massive perks. I mean, there's people cooking for you 24 seven, right? Like you don't have to, the snacks galore, but it's pretty intense, right? Like you had some pretty early call times. Yeah, no, I mean, I hate complaining about it, but I just feel like there's checks and balances, you know, like obviously crafty is amazing. And like, there's someone to come take off my shoes and put comfy <laughs> shoes on and stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is like so crazy above and beyond. But then, yeah, I'm there at four o'clock in the morning sometimes. And then I have to go home. And even if there isn't rehearsal schedule, I'm calling the choreographer. Like, can we go over this? Because <clears throat> tomorrow I'm going to be on set for 10 hours and I feel like I'm, I'm going to be focused on my lines. I don't have time to go over the dance. You know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. it was, it was nonstop. And I would say the most brutal part is wearing a mini skirt in negative 20 degree oh, weather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> I think, you know, this is why at the end of every episode, we always like shout out people because, you know, it does, it's making movies and TV is like fucking hard and it seems really fun and it seems really exciting, but it's long hours, it's cold weather, it's, you know, we've spoken to hair people, like we had Lainey Trzinski on here on one of our episodes, you know, the hair and makeup people have to get to set before everyone else to prep and then the actors are there with them for two hours and then, you know, so it's like, Every single person, it's like, yes, it's a cool job, whatever aspect of the industry you work in. But yeah, the caterers are there early to prep the and they food. And like- they were out there, like, for instance, me, like I'm complaining about my miniskirt and the cold weather. But then like, at least when they say cut, they'll rush me over to a tent with a heater. Mm-hmm, right. You know, there's people still Sitting outside out there, working, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, hair and makeup. We used to get there at four o'clock like, oh, oh my gosh, are you awake yet? And hair and makeup's like, yeah, we're awake. We've been here for two hours already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they don't have people driving them to set, you know. So it's like, yeah. it's it's checks and balances. But then they also, you know, they get downtime when you're on set because they're watching, but you're actually putting your heart and soul into a performance and especially dancing and singing and acting. Like that's that's a and lot. Then, but like an audience... You know, if it's a Netflix or Hulu or something like that, you could binge it in eight hours and that's it. Right. When, yeah. You know, and that's months of your life. 15, 16, yeah. 17 hours just, you know, shooting yeah. a few scenes. So, mm-hmm. or like a, yeah, a couple seconds, yeah. you know, if it's a big, big scene. So that's great. What do you think is something that you learned from Empire? Like, you know, as it was sort of different than your other roles? <clears throat> Um, I think, um, I would say one of the biggest takeaways is, uh, I was always a singer, but I didn't know how to perform, um, while singing. And I was kind of like thrown into the pool with that and just like, Hey, go ahead and do it. Um, <laughs> it came a little bit more natural than I expected, but at the same time, like, you know, fake it till you make it. And mm. uh, that kind of forced me to be comfortable on stage and to be comfortable singing in front of people. And it kind of opened up like a new interest for me. I might want to yeah. do that. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Live performance 
sort of yeah. aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and another question I have for you is obviously starting acting so young in your life, you know, what was that like? I imagine you didn't get to attend like kind of what I'm saying in quotation marks, like regular high school, right? Oh no, I didn't. It was, oh, that part is so weird. Okay. So I was actually homeschooled from the seven, oh, after sixth grade. So seventh, eighth grade, I was homeschooled. Um, ninth grade, there's a performing arts high school in Houston that I always dreamt of going to because Beyonce went there and a lot of other people. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go there. <clears throat> I went there for my freshman year and halfway through my freshman year, I booked the game. So I immediately um, went to the local community college and tested in and was accepted into college, then transferred up to UCLA. So I was like in college at the age of 15. Oh, wow. Mm. And oh, I forgot. There's a test out here in L.A. because L.A. is just so forward. Um, I had to fly (laughs) out to L.A. when I was like 14 when my mom was like, "Okay, you know, you might want to start college because, you know, you're working on television now. So you need to like be able to kind of handle your classes a little bit better where you can make your own schedule. Um, And so I had to fly out to L.A. and take a chess beat test. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, but you basically test out of high school. Thing. So yeah. you kind of like skip all those years with one had test that for me. Yeah, I probably yeah. failed it. You go, but would have been nice. To have <laughs> that option. From my understanding, it's like only out here in California. I'm guessing because of child actors and stuff. I was going to yeah. say it's probably something to do with it. Like she's smart enough. Like just rush her through the final three <laughs> years of high school. It's fine. She'll yeah. be fine. She's prepared yeah. for the real world. Yeah. Don't worry about it. She's great. Yeah. But then well, I, I, was, I talked to my boyfriend who's like, you know, he's been an athlete his whole life and like his experience with high school was completely different and it kind of like, I mean, I, everyone's like, well, nobody cares about high school nowadays, but I mean, it would have been cool to go through that. I think the, the grass is always greener. Like you probably didn't get to go to like prom and do all those things. None you know. of that. And that's experiences that, you know, I mean, I did go to proms because I went to international schools and like we, you know, knew people that did that. But, you know, you're a kid and you watch these shows and it's like the traditional high school experience. That's probably what I mean more than like normal, I'd say, you know, traditional where you go to classes, you know, seven hours a day and you play on the school team and you kind of like skipped all of that instead you were like acting these life experiences I remember the same exact week that my what was supposed to be my prom like what I would have gone to I had to go to the BET awards and like Mm. I remember I was like super depressed about it and my mom and dad are like are you kidding like (laughs) (laughs) a friend of ours is having a prom birthday so I'll I'll hit her up and see if if, if but it's just it's just funny because the grass is all always greener you know like I mean there were probably kids in your performing arts high school that were like oh man I just want to book something and then you're like there for a few months and you're like okay bye like off I go to be on the show for nine seasons which is you know some actors I know a ton of actors out here in LA and like you know they they're stoked to book a commercial right and that can keep them going for a long time to get a nine season run is pretty crazy Um, and and now you've done that plus all these other shows and, you know, onward to the next adventures, which I know are in the ether and we can't talk about them, but it's, it's just crazy. So with that being said, you know, pivoting into a show, into a, a movie that is about a TV executive. I know I'm good. Let's, (laughs) let's talk about Scrooge. So Caitlin, had you seen this movie 
before we were like, let's do Scrooge. So I, after watching it, I realized that I've seen pieces of it. I just never really sat down and like watched. I have to say, like, I have some favorites on the list that you sent me. I had some favorites and I was really excited to talk about them, but I was like, it's cool. We should watch something Something that that we we don't don't know know inside and out. I like that. Way to go. (laughs) Well, also because she's a TV actress and like, you know, the way that, you know, we talk about it and we're going to get into that, but so you ha- you'd seen pieces of it, but you'd never sat down to like fully watch it from start to finish. Yeah, no, like I, I thought I hadn't watched it at all until I got like halfway through. I'm like, oh, I know this part. I remember okay, little yeah. parts of it that may have yeah. seen on TV or something like that. Exactly. Me, you know, not, not seeing any of it <laughs> at all. Um, what's, David, what's something that really jumped out at, to you? I know you know this movie, but like what's a big thing that that really stuck out to you watching it? What are we now, like 30 years later? No, not that many. Yeah. 20, 25 years later? So we can start off with a, with a lighter topic. Um, I, re- <laughs> I really like the uh, like the practical effects of okay. this movie. Um, I thought it was really cool how they did a lot of that stuff with the ghosts of Christmas past, future, present, um, and just how they played it. Like that cab driver, I forget his name, David Johansson, Ghost of Christmas Past. Like he was hilarious. Like his voice is amazing and the makeup that they did for that. And then also um, his former boss who was dead, who's like taking a drink oh. and he shoots him in the back when he first sees him. Like all those like practical effects were amazing. And the best one for me was um, Ghost of Christmas future like the guy the big like eight foot ten foot tall and he oh, yeah, guy. is in the elevator and he opens <laughs> up his cape or whatever and all those three bodies are like screaming in there and then Bill Murray's mm-hmm. like hmm <laughs> he like kind of looks away and he doesn't really like do anything and he looks again and he's like oh did our people do that yeah <laughs> like as a he TV thinks executive. it's like a tv yeah. like exactly and he ad-libbed yeah. so, so much that i read in this movie that the mm. director was like it's at a stoplight none of the stop signs work and you're like the security guard that's how it was working with bill murray and a lot of the stuff he was ad-libbing Oh, he was just like bulldozing over like the script and stuff? Yeah, well, he'd just go off script or ad lib a ton of stuff. And a lot of it they Mm -hmm. kept in the movie. But yeah, because it's fucking Bill Murray. That shit is gold. But yeah, imagine being the writer and being so excited. Bill Murray's going to be in the movie and you've written all these great jokes. And then Bill Murray's just making them better, like just making better jokes. You're like, fuck, fuck. Yeah. You know. I feel like that's why I fall in love with anything Bill Murray really does, just mm-hmm. because like you can tell he's improving pretty much the whole movie. He he was nervous <laughs> yeah. um, about doing this because it was just him. He'd never carried a movie before, and he was worried about mm-hmm. that. Everything he's done about, up until this. What about Groundhog's Day? That wasn't before this. I don't I think that might have come out after. Yeah, it might have come out after. What? But it was what I read was everything was in like an ensemble, right? Ghostbusters. Well, he was also wasn't Andy McDowd in that with him as well. Like, kind of playing off him I think that's the actress I'm probably fucking butchering it Could but be, yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah for, as far as this is said, really just him yeah, yeah. he said actors yeah. would come for a few days and they'd leave and it was always him um, mm-hmm. being there so and he actually had a little hiatus before this movie came about he um, mm. sat for like a few years and then they put the script in front of him he said no and then he like wanted to rewrite a decent amount of it before he signed on to it and then he's like, we're going to rewrite it yeah. and then I'm going to get to set and I'm just going to make it up on the day. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it, guys. Well, 
yeah, I mean, there were so many. I'm very curious to know, like, what, like, was, you know, written and, and what was, like, kind of ad-libbed. But something that, like, stuck with me in the beginning was, um, like... I don't know, just some of the jokes, like Father Loves Beaver. Right away, I was like, what is this movie? This, like, fake show. What did that remind you of in the beginning? What other movie did we do that had a similar opening? I don't remember. Tropic Tell Thunder. Me. Oh, right? yeah, where they had, like, like okay. fake trailers. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fake trailers. So, uh, similar. And he's... Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I mean, even I, think of that. I love fake trailers because, like, movie people are like, okay, what's the dumbest idea that we could, like... <laughs> yeah. Like, what's an idea that you wish you could pitch to your bosses? And they're just... Yeah, I mean, we open on this movie with, like, a boardroom... So, basically, it goes into these fake trailers and you think this is the movie, but then we pull out and it's, like, the TV. Yeah. They're doing, like, promos for the Christmas. And it's hilarious because you see this boardroom of people, like, these yes-men and... Bill Murray's character like has cut together his own trailer they're doing like yeah they're doing the Christmas story right and he's got like guns going off and it's like you better watch and people screaming and the execs are like uh, I don't know about this but it's just so funny because like that is what I feel like people are like with trailers well, later like, in the movie there's a news article sitting on the desk and his assistant or his co-worker is like a lady died after seeing this promo, this promo. and he's like he sits there for a second and you're like what is he gonna do is he gonna be upset and he goes this is amazing he's like yeah. make sure you run this every half hour and just put a disclaimer like not safe for people with heart conditions yeah <laughs> yeah I think you know one of the big things obviously about this movie that we were going to talk about is like the portrayal of TV execs and entertainment and you know Bill Murray is this like totally heartless bastard uh, something that stuck out to me was like the way he physically bullied his employees like he flicks this one guy's ear and I'm like Jesus fuck and then he's like manhandling like the woman that he has working for him like the very 80s. Yeah. <laughs> creepy oh, that part that's something I thought you were going to start with when you said the jokes uh, and I was geeking out so they have the scene with the gold um what are they the gold dancers what are their names do you guys know what i'm talking about no the, the, yeah are you are, you're talking about the girls that had her breast out yeah yeah but they're called <laughs> something they actually had their own show it's like the gold star dancers oh. or something like that they had their own show oh. on tv oh. and it got canceled like a few months before this the nipples? movie came out yeah so um her like nipples the top of her nipples are hanging out and somebody's like you can't do that and he's like wow that's that's appropriate amount of nipple for tv or something like that and then his assistant that like kept getting hit and like fall over and crashed into stuff hits on the ground and bill murray goes make sure her tits not or something like that uh, no that that was the sensor that was the sensor yeah. yeah he goes down to like the light to the they're doing like it's a live show so they're doing rehearsals yeah. and yeah he says that because she was having a problem with the nipples showing. It's just yeah. Yeah, make sure. But nipples also, are out. yeah, but yeah, the the bullying the staff, the inappropriate touching of the female employee, um, the. I, I did think it was interesting when I when you open on this movie and it's like you look around the table. There's like four or five white guys, one uh, woman, and then like there's one brown guy. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, that's pro probably still accurate. Like the diversity. Maybe not. <laughs> Might not have even that person <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the table. Yeah, maybe not. But uh, and he's so he's so like stereotypical of like the gross TV executive. Like he's drinking alcohol at his Tab desk. Yeah, which I which I did think was interesting. I felt like it was very product place mini i feel like we see that less <laughs> in films now but it was like a really nice shot of tab yeah. like stoli and then the, vodka, the stoli vodka. Yeah. 
it was and then yeah and then the best is like it, you know it's it's the two days before Christmas or something and his secretary is like going through his Christmas list and it's either like you get a towel or yeah. a VHS recorder. Yeah. I like that. Um, I like that joke when she's at her family's house with her mom and everything. And well, it's two in the same scene when she starts drying her hair and she's like, did you get your, your present? She's like, I'm using it right now. Oh, my bonus. Yeah. yeah she shows like the and label. Then, and then um, they're like, uh, she's like, wait, we got a tree. And they are lighting the little boy, <laughs> dressing him up like a tree. That was so funny because I just felt like my family would do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. No, it was great how this movie really followed that same um, storyline of a Christmas story because you kind of knew, kind of knew what was going to happen. Obviously, it was like a total reiteration of it. But you have the ghost of Christmas past that is this like gross cabbie that takes him to his family. You know, when he's a little boy, Mm -hmm. and you kind of see that he comes from fucked up situation. His mom smoking and his dad like being mean to him and giving him. He's like, here's your present, and it's like a slab of meat from the butchers. And then his mom's like out of there and you kind of, you start to feel sorry for him, but then like he continues to do things that are so shitty that you're like, yeah, is this guy ever going to redeem himself? And it's, it's interesting too, because it's, he's putting on that live show of the Christmas Carol and it's happening mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. In, in the movie. Yeah. yeah. But that is also like, not to get super deep, but I feel like the reason why I was interested whenever you told me or reiterated to me that this movie was about a TV exec and how it, it's called Scrooge and it's all centered around basically his negativity and how he treats others and his mm-hmm. disregard for others. Like, I've seen some similar stuff. <laughs> I have. Yes. So, yeah. um, for a guy like this, they show him he's got like some redeeming qualities when they're doing flashbacks with him and his love interest, right? Um, Claire. So he was like that dog on TV set and he was doing mailroom stuff, working his way up. And he was kind of like a nicer guy at the start uh, when he first met Claire. So for a guy to get to that position or a woman to get to that position from the TV execs as, that as you've exec. met, do they kind of got to be ruthless still today? Or is that like an 80s, 90s thing? Or do they got to... No, gotta, it is the same. They still got to be that way to get to the It top? is the same. Not everybody, yeah, though. But I'm just, I wouldn't say everybody. Okay. There's just, but there are a lot. It's a dog-eat-dog. Like, if there's anything that I've learned in my adulthood of this, like, industry is that, like, I think I walked into it as a child, like, very pure, and that's not everyone's intention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and surprisingly, like, you're probably going to meet one person like that. It's, like, pretty Assholes. common to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're probably going to meet that person. And that can either change you or break you or, you know, who knows what it's going to do. I think there's been an industry shakeup since the Me Too movement, since ousting, you know, uh, certain Hollywood figureheads like Weinstein, you know, I, mm-hmm. but I think you're right, Caitlin. I think those people still exist. I think it's a generational change because yeah. I am sort of, you know, on the cusp of like formerly assistant now and a creative executive and like growing myself in the industry and knowing my peers and knowing that we were, you know, living through a lot of abuse at times, mm-hmm. you know, and being paid shitty wages. And it's, it is more towards like what, Bill Murray's kind of character is supposed to be but now like also meeting mentors in the industry who are just good people like um uh Gloria Kellett is someone that comes to mind you know we had uh Caroline Levitch who's a, a TV writer on our podcast and she was saying like this woman is just so amazing and like gave these young writers a chance like I think that there are 
opportunities now uh, and you don't have to be a total prick. But I think there are some people that think that this is the only way to get ahead, right? Yeah, that's what it is. Can I ask you both? uh, So, Caitlin, you're saying that can either, when you meet these people, that can either, you know, break you or put you on a different path or change who you are as a person. So both of you have experienced these people in your career so far. So like, how did you guys navigate that? And from what I know of both of you are still good people, right? And you're still successful and moving in that direction. So how did you navigate that? And how did you take it so you didn't let it break you or turn you into a negative person? God, he doesn't know us at all. He doesn't know that we're secretly, we're secretly sending everyone towels for Christmas. Um, I would say, well, how about this? Like when you say break, the guy that walks into the uh, studio with that gun mm-hmm. at the in the movie, that's an example of somebody breaking, yeah. I would say, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I feel like the only way that I've really handled it, and I would say this past year was the biggest eye opener for me as far as like, People love to say, oh, it's a business. Don't forget, it's still a business. It's a business. And that is like a great way of hiding that, like, I have no regard for your emotions mm-hmm. or like your mental health. I don't see health. you as a person. Yeah. yeah. Like, that is the best way to disguise that. I think that it's just taught me to kind of like take it day by day and like moment by moment. Because if you don't take things day by day, it's just a huge lifelong roller coaster of up and down and crashes and soaring and like like putting all of your eggs in a basket from somebody saying something to you that they really didn't mean or you know mm-hmm. like somebody selling you dreams potentially too and yeah exactly and then they come back and they're like ah, oh, you know it's sorry. a business yeah. it's just a business Jeez. <laughs> she's she's probably stronger for it but i totally agree with her i mean i've dealt with some really horrible people in this business and for me it's like I can't control the way other people behave or react or treat others I can only control the way that I treat and and I really think you know I feel so fortunate to have such an amazing network here in the industry not just in LA like around the world and I'm always told you know that I'm very generous with my connections and I'm very like welcoming and stuff like that and I think it's because I think you attract the energy you put out into the world right and so Caitlin's still a good person and she will continue to work with people who because there's certainly people that are like they think the only way to get ahead is like the Bill Murray way right like and and those people will attract those kinds of assistants and agents and da 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 like for me this uh, yes it's a business and it's a job but it's also a really fun job and it's also really hard work and I think the more respect you give someone I don't know I just think it doesn't like the way he treats people in the movie is like he rules by a culture of fear. And there are people that really think that being afraid, being having people afraid of you is the way to do it. And what we learn from this movie is that actually, yeah. no. it's I mean, he fires, he fires um, the Elliot character, Bobcat on Christmas Eve and then he has security and he times it and he's watching him through a telescope yeah, he's yeah. Like, oh, like four minutes 32 seconds and then uh, Alvary Woodard's character says like wait a minute it's, it's Christmas and he goes oh thanks for reminding me cancel his bonus right <laughs> like just oh a, my gosh, just a yeah. savage yeah. but it just goes to show I mean we do live in a capitalist society America is very you know there's great things about like the hard work and da 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 of American society and then there's terrible things like Caitlin said like she's a person uh she's you know actors as well I think 
you guys are required. Your job is to tap into your emotions constantly. So then you can't Mm -hmm. turn around and say like, it's a business, like fuck that, you know? Um, but that's also why the character that he fires, like comes back with a gun, which is not, I mean, watching it as an Australian, I'm like, that's fucked up that we're like laughing. This guy showed up to (laughs) shoot up. And also like with stuff that's been happening in the news, I'm like, Ooh, this is, this is rough. Yeah, it was almost like, I don't know if I should even mention that on the podcast because I know it's like kind of a topic right now, but like, I don't know. I just feel like it, I don't think I'm, I'm definitely not an overly sensitive person unless I am working. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just like I understand that people have emotions. I understand that people are going through things. And I think that that's just human. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can't forget that even in the industry, there's so many different realms besides like the main cast actors. Like when you're talking about costuming, hair and makeup, extras, I've had to put so many PAs, like uh, pull them aside and be like, do not talk to the extras like that, please. Like, please don't do that. That's just a bad. It's also a, it's also a hill though, right? Like maybe they're getting shit on by the ADs on the walkie talkies, you know, that's exactly what it is. It's just a, it's a culture of respect all around. And the only way to be, to help have a healthier industry is to be a part of that. And like solution. with her calling it out, that mm-hmm. is what needs to happen. And you know other, what though, Caitlin, other people need to call it out as well. Kate, Caitlin has, is, has the ability to call it out. Like if another PA said, Hey, you know, you might get in trouble. Like it's this, cause something that people don't understand is like film and TV sets are very hierarchical as well. You know, at the top, you've got like the producers and the directors and even above them, you've got network and EPs. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of goes all the way down. You've got ADs who keep the ship rolling. You've got the DPs who are kind of off in their own, you know, sidebar and then the camera t- department. And then, you know, everybody has a boss and it's like yeah. that in the real world too. And we see that with Bill Murray's character. Like he's kind of He's the big boss, and then we meet his big boss, who's like, you know, who even putting brought pressure somebody on him. else in, yeah, yep. to lighten the load, basically, and Bill didn't like that at all. No. And honestly, the the whole thing comes from pressure. I think when people are under a lot of stress and pressure, they just like, I don't care. Honestly, you just got to do what I need you to do right now. <laughs> it it's also a lack of manpower. I think people in this business, you know, the bottom dollar is always a problem, and we see it across other industries too. But it's always someone doing the work of like three people and expected to give more and more. And it's especially because film and TV is such a you know privileged industry. It's you know whatever. But yeah, I mean, like the the receptionist or his secretary character, his assistant, like she's so overworked and she's worked for him for years and she keeps putting up with it. And, you know, she's got these kids and like you just see her. She's like humble and beaten down. And she's like you, Caitlin, like she calls shit out. But like it's almost like he can't fire her because he depends on her. But he definitely mistreats her yeah, as well. You got to work when I work. She had that um, doctor's appointment set up doctor's for two months. Yeah. And she had to cancel because he was like, if I can't work, if you're not here and not, you can't work fine here. And he's just or even whenever out. he was yelling. Remember when he found her son on set and he like grabbed him yeah. and was like, what are you doing? And it's like, how does this woman work for you for this long? Yeah. And you don't know that that's her son. son. Yeah. And he yeah. tore down Super that, disrespectful. that picture. 
that he had. But yeah. uh, Paris has popped in my head, and it kind of relates to his arc as a character. So you said, like, in the industry with that PA talking down to um, an extra, and it rolls downhill. So mm-hmm. it's a longer stretch of time period, but what happened to Bill Murray's character is his dad was kind of an asshole mm-hmm. on Christmas, and his mom was like a sweetheart. So his dad was a prick um, around Christmas. So then I think that character, right, he stopped believing in Christmas. And then you see it. He never says Merry Christmas once until he says it beginning to his mom um, when they do the flashback. And then he says it at the very end of the movie. Every time someone says Merry Christmas to him, he says like, oh, I hope you have a happy new year or he just doesn't say anything. Mm -hmm. So like that's kind of. So his trauma is. Exactly. From his dad. It broke him. It broke him. Exactly. But then he said like, like, you have to work. (laughs) So he put that battery in his back. He's. He's broken, and then he's inflicting other yeah, so like, break, down. breaks on yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the guy he fires, or this is so fucked up. But like the guy who he sees frozen to death in the street that he didn't give two dollars to, which they tried in this movie to be like, oh, and he's in heaven and everything's all good. But I'm like, that's still really fucked up. Yeah. That guy froze yeah. to death yeah. in the street. Like, are we just like, uh, and he's like kind of joking about it, and then he like leaves. I'm like, if I saw a frozen dead body, I don't think I would speak for a week myself. Yeah. You know, I'd be like, and he was upset is- because he met that guy in Claire's work outreach the outreach program. and he was yeah. there's a little part of him because they they thought he was like a playwright or something like that or a stage actor and he did mm-hmm. a little piece from like hamlet or something like that so there's a little part of him throughout this movie there he showed that he would go there and be kind of nice and he kind of did it for him and they all clapped for him and then yeah and then the guy died, died. so yeah. it's beautiful what a, <laughs> what a great joke yeah. love to see it listen man it's wow. the 80s okay <laughs> I know. And, and you know what? There's so many things that are so 80s in this. Like his assistant going back to her, like she runs over it. Did you guys notice she had like a handbag that was also a mobile phone, but it's like a oh, whole, yeah. the whole handbag oh, is the phone. Yeah, yeah. And just like talking about VHSs and like VHS. everybody being everybody being at home to watch the TV on Christmas Eve. Um, I love the executive who's like, we should put more like mice in this because the cats are a big market. The cats and dogs are starting to watch. So in 20 years, so we need to start broadcasting them now. (laughs) (laughs) My dog definitely watches television. Oh my God. Mine has no idea what's going on. Um, (laughs) But we, you know, we're sort of dancing around like the female characters in this. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a little bit about the assistant who I think is a really interesting character. Incredible actress. Amazing actor. Love her. But let's also talk about Claire, the love interest in this so backstory on this if you haven't seen the film is he he like falls or something and he and then like the phone like automatically dials her number and he leaves her a voicemail and he's like Claire like help like did I need to talk to you right now and she comes it's been 15 years and she comes I was like after the Christmas ghost of Christmas (laughs) past leaves him I think right Caitlin's like babe you need to get unhinge right now yeah I was like you you live you live in New York babe there's so many people you came all all the way here you didn't like call back she's not like, seeing yeah. anybody well they don't have text messages so you know i guess yeah. so and then she's like they have this moment and they stare at each other i think By the she way, did if try someone... to call she came the next day oh she did okay yeah but seriously seriously you guys if someone came back from 15 <laughs> years ago would you have any romantic i would have 
that person would be a complete fucking stranger to me. Like the person I was 15 years ago, uh, I wouldn't be yeah. like. He's obviously, he's obviously like, she's the one that got away. So mm. in his head, it's like, oh, I got a chance. <laughs> well, especially like. when, even, yeah, he leaves one voicemail and she shows up at his work. Exactly. <laughs> even if I think back to like Still the one that it. I thought was the one that I got away, like I'm trying to even think if I know who that person is. Like, if they called me, I still don't think I would fucking <laughs> go to them. <laughs> it's a little story. Yeah. I would never do that. But also, if she was my girlfriend, like my friend, I would be like, you're insane. You're sending the wrong message. Why did you call up there? Catch up with him after Christmas, babe. Like, give it a day. Give it a few days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but things calm down. Like, hey, man, you left a bizarre voicemail. I don't know if you were drinking or what. Remember the voicemail? It was like something bad just happened. Actually, I don't know if it just happened, yeah. but. Because it was after he, it was old, his old boss. It wasn't one of the ghosts yet. Oh, that's right. Because then he well, gets the, the golf was, ball out the, of his mouth. The old boss was kind of like the pre- he was like, this is what's going to yeah, happen. You're going to be visited by three. Noon. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, I would just like call my girlfriends and be like, yeah, my ex just left a message. I think he's doing drugs. I think he's having a psychotic <laughs> breakdown, yeah. to be honest. Which Bill Murray yeah. said. He's like, I think it's brought on by alcohol, some sort of psychosis. But no, she, she like shows up and she's like, here's my business card, which by the way, she holds like this. Everybody, So you look, can exactly camera, read it. Oh my gosh, in. I noticed that yeah. too. I remember I was like oh, watching it. I saw her hold the um, the card and I'm like, that would have been annoying to shoot as an actress. Yeah. <laughs> I would have Here been it so is. Good. Here it is. Did you longer. get it? A little bit longer. One, two, two three. And good. Okay, yeah. And good. For the slow readers, <laughs> an extra second Wait, what is she and we're clear. Is she an outreach? Yeah, where is she? What? I don't know. Where well, she work? To be fair, David, we have friends that are just constantly on their phones while they're watching movies. Yeah. So they probably miss yeah. it and be like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but then he oh goes, he goes to her work and then he immediately demands that she leaves the poor people behind and she considers it. She considers it for a second. She's like, Lumpy, I can't just leave them behind. Yeah. It's like, this is your life's work, babe. And, he's telling and you're just like, the other he's from 15 years ago, babe. He's from 15. handle it. Uh, they get paid honey, yeah. they can handle it she's like no they're volunteers but also what are you even if some guy from 15 years ago came to my work and was like we're going to lunch right now I'd be like first of all I have not spoken to you in 15 years so how about you just chill the fuck yeah. out like is this how I it's just, gonna be I feel like we have a lot to like discuss before I just leave work right now yeah how about you know what like it's tomorrow's Christmas it's kind of a busy time for me as you can see like with all these like um, people that I'm New helping yeah. yep so maybe we'll just I don't know January 2nd like what are you doing like let's just pencil it in he's like I gotta go now you know like or psycho. we can talk and you can help me with some of these people in right. need well yeah, yeah. While we're doing yeah this. let's do that let's talk and walk yeah. come on walk and talk yeah I mean yeah or like volunteer here you're obviously already uh, here I did kind of want to talk about uh Alfrey's character too Grace so like yeah, yeah. it I know like 80s, 90s, like a casting thing. She's probably, she's been in a ton of stuff. She's still oh, a she's monster a legend. working actor. And, but it's like that role of a, you know, I was, I had a single mom for a long time. Right. Yeah. And she's got what, five kids. One doesn't mm-hmm. speak because the, they said that father was killed. So it's just kind of, I don't know. Yeah. It, it raised a little flag to me. I'm like, oh, that role again, right? Like and a I don't, woman. And I don't. Like a black right, and woman. And I don't want to use the. Assistant. I don't want to use. poor, five kids. In a, I don't want to use the wrong terminology, but isn't there a whole pushback through the industry of like 
actors of color playing this like mammy role. I don't know if that's yeah. the right term, it's a couple. but like you have the you have the mammy role and then you have the magical negro. Right. So Love she's definitely she's like the she's like the nurturing one. I mean, she's like fucking adjusting his belt like while he's like pouring his coffee and like yeah, yeah. and like dusting him walking. off and she's like literally nurturing him yeah. and it's like what is so fucking special about this white guy who's just shouting at everyone, mm-hmm. you know? But I, I didn't want to use the wrong term, but I felt like I agree with you, David. She's kind of very much the stereotype. Now, if she of was like, getting bank, if she was getting paid, and she was yeah. living close to his neighborhood, I'd have no issue with that. But she's, you know, walking exactly. under the train tracks, missing doctor appointments, uh, needed needed help from her mom to watch the mm-hmm. other kids. You know what I mean? So that's kind of different. If, if and she, shout out to her mom because that's the actress from The Wiz. Oh, really? I believe. Fuck yeah, oh, yeah Mabel yeah. King. Yeah, it was a small. It was a small role, but it, I mean that. What was so interesting as well was like the total contrast between his like world the you know the sterile office mm-hmm. the alcohol and then you've got like this smaller place which by the way I was still like damn that apartment is pretty big compared yeah. to like what yeah. I you know New York. but but it's so <laughs> it's so warm it's like a family like the kids are all together and you just see like the contrast he's got like so much space it feels so empty and yeah I loved I loved all those little scenes they were really I loved her daughter I thought they were just like so, it was cute family cute. But did he? But give, it did really. Did he give her a raise? Because he gave the guy he fired. He doubled his salary. No. I no, don't think he, gave he said her, anything about. He said she could take a face cloth as well as a towel. Like no, when I he mean, was, like at like, the end. At the end. Was, no, I don't. Okay, I don't, think I, don't, so. I didn't catch that. If he did. You know who? That would have been um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Alfre, um, She was also in C. She's like the. She is one of my favorite characters. She's my one of my C. favorite characters too. Yeah. yeah she's really really in cool. C. Yeah, on she Apple played, Plus. She, oh, it's this great show. Um, yeah. we, we know the lead actor. Yeah, it's you know, it's one of my it's one of my favorite Watch shows it. the past couple of years. Oh yeah, but Which, she is the fun- so she's, she's amazing. A, yeah. But the the funniest thing about that show is if you are on your phone the whole time, you would not notice that they're all blind, which is something that happened to a friend of ours, right, David? Yep. He watched like a few episodes and he was like, wait, they're all blind? Oh, like, yeah, dude, crazy? Like all the actors are blind, like playing blind. He goes, wait, Plain they're blind? blind? I go, get off your phone. Yeah, he completely <laughs> missed it, which is hilarious. Because that's the whole, it's called C, mate. It's called yeah. C. Like, that's, you know, I need to like watch S-E. that. It's really good. Yeah. You can probably binge. There's two full seasons right now. And the third season's coming out. It's dope. But no, I'm glad you talked about her character because it is a little problematic. I mean, I say it's a little problematic. It's quite problematic. And she's such a powerhouse um, actress. And, you know, I think times have changed, but to see her in that role. But then it's like getting that role and then... You know, that probably helped out her career because she's one of the main characters in this movie. And then look at all the other work she's done. But she's really only the she's really the only person of color in this film. And I wanted to say something. So, I mean, that's yes, that's more inclusive, but it's kind of racist that this whole firm is white like New York is such a diverse place we, we always talk about this because a lot of the movies we talk about are based in New York which is funny but also did you guys pick up on the very unsubtle racism towards like Chinese people like a couple of times oh, so the he she goes the, the, yeah. in his when he goes back to like the 60s when he's seeing himself as a young guy there's a first of all there's a young woman who's sitting on a photocopier and handing out pictures of her photocopied ass to people. And she's like, Merry Christmas. Like, what the fuck? And he's like, no, thanks doll. No, thanks. And then she's like, we should go get Chinese food. And then he's like, uh, they're cutting up alley cats and putting them in the chopped suey. And I'm like, excuse me. And then I think yeah. he says something 
at one point um he also says that oh the jews taught me a great word and i'm just schmuck. like schmuck i'm just See, like, i don't know Ooh. if that's i don't know if that's like racist or not though like <laughs> schmuck if that came from that jewish community is that is he not using it negatively? And then I just don't think I would a, say the Jews taught yeah, me a good exactly. one. I'd be like the way a he, Jewish guy. The way he I, yeah, I think it, if it someone you, every time I question whether or not something's appropriate, I just like personalize it. So like mm-hmm. if someone came up to me and they were like, "I learned something from the blacks." Yeah, exactly. I'd be, a, I'd be like, a, if he said the blacks, I'd be. I would say, like, like, "What the fuck?" I'm holding, taking off my earrings, yeah, and yeah. now we are going to fight because <laughs> you cannot say the blacks. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, that's and so if it if it insults you, it's insulting. Yeah, I think. That's, that's valid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He just said a lot of things. Like at one point, he said, "If I want a wife, I'll buy one," which is very much like, you know, talking about like mail order brides and stuff it's just like these little gems Mm. of like total racism where you're like wow okay 80s like i see you (laughs) but like we've talked about in the past like comedies are very topical and of the time so they Uh. do tend to be really like eyebrow raising where you're like and i also feel like it's like it's very scary for comedy because comedy has always been like about really reaching over the edge and like playing the times but i think like the golden spot with it is if you have like a super inclusive cast and like you're literally talking about everyone equally but everyone has an equal opportunity in this production Mm -hmm. then like fine like let's all make fun of each other and laugh about it fine whatever but like exactly exactly instead of punching we (laughs) david always talks about it punching down it's like also i just think the cat like i've heard that that listen guys i grew up in asia like they're not they're putting the reg- like the usual animals into things, you know, like <laughs> the usual uh, animals. But like, do you know what? I, but do you know what I mean? Like, I've heard that thing that oh, the alley cats go oh, if your cat goes missing, like jokes and yeah. shit like that, which is just such casual racism yeah, that we is. almost accept it as yeah. like yeah. pop culture, and it's so fucked because it just creates this idea of the other with and whatever at that time, anyone other than white. The Asian community didn't really have a microphone to say like, no, that's fucked up, like. Our food, no. our, so food funny, is, my friend. our food is amazing. Like that's never yeah. happened. Right. So, um, they I would just, if I was, if I was Chinese, Asian, I'd be like, you y'all eat our stuff all yeah, the constantly. time. Yeah. Just yeah. be quiet. Love my food. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. But they haven't yeah. really gotten that microphone until like the past, like five years, which is pretty sad yeah. in this country. And we experienced a lot of Asian hate, you know, Over especially COVID, around COVID yeah. because the former yes. prime minister, or president was like the China virus, mm-hmm. which again makes it the other. It's like the way that people like Division. come together is to like make, you know, turn against someone else. It's fucked up. He did have, yeah. Bill Murray did have one joke. He said, um, he goes, I thought you were Richard Pryor when he saw the uh, waiter on fire and he threw the water on him. But like okay. that actually Richard Pryor poured like booze on That's himself like, and started himself on I, fire. Wait, when did that yeah, when uh, did that happen? Well actually, okay, wait, I heard a different I heard a different story of how he got on fire. Uh no, oh, well he was he was hear? like in a drug psychosis and he poured yeah. booze all over himself and he started himself on okay. fire. Um probably like, he was smoking some. He was, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was running down the street. But then Richard Pryor made a ton of jokes about it and did it on stage. Yeah. Okay. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. But again, right. he's making fun yeah. of himself, so like we can make fun of him, right? Yeah, uh, Bill Murray just throwing like a throwaway line because he um, that was an ad lib, and then he fell after that in the restaurant. You remember when he's trying to walk out the door after he threw the yeah. water? Mm-hmm. He slipped on the water. That actually wasn't in the in the script. 
He just oh, fell. Yeah. And he just oh, kind of like wow. played it off and got up. I was going to say like the physical comedy in this was obviously super funny. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like if he's seeing stuff that. that no one else can see, like that's so funny. Like when the guy's on fire and he throws the water at him, like <laughs> it, the best part of it is the straight actors, right? Who are like, what the fuck mm-hmm. is he What is he doing? doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you can't like any Bill Murray film is going to have incredible I uh let me know what you guys think feel free to throw this back in my face but do you think like Ryan Reynolds kind of has a little Bill Murray in a lot of his performances yeah with the sarcasm sarcasm, I would say yeah yeah Yeah, like what was that what was that anti-superhero movie he did it's not coming to me Oh, the one in the green suit the Deadpool oh no Deadpool yeah yeah Deadpool you're talking about the red suit yeah yeah. I feel like he's good Oh, it's red. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Christmas yeah. green, you know. Because he also did Green color. Lantern, which is a green uh, suit. That's what I was, yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that, but I'm like, he's not funny in that one, I don't think. <laughs> Guys, um, one other thing I wanted to say, going back to the TV stuff, is, you know, so they have this live performance, and it's like this old guy reading the story, and they're cutting back and forth to, like, you know, different studios around the world, and then they've obviously been rehearsing the shit for ages, and then Bill Murray just fucking jumps on the set and no one pulls him off he's like rambling and screaming i mean if you've been on a set like they're pretty locked up i guess he's he's, he's kind of the boss yeah yeah he's got that but then also he grabs this one woman and they she grabs his tie and like sexily kisses him and then claire's like i gotta get over there and then she kisses him too <laughs> wait like, what yeah. remember he's like he's like going on his little like diatribe that, it was solid, of, they're called the solid gold dancers and there was one okay. under the mistletoe and he's like listen this is law baby yeah. and he he gives the appropriate distance and she pulls him in. I just want to say that because, because then there's he's a so undeniably true, sexy with true. his rambling. But there's a and woman crashing the I'm just saying, comparing it to the woman that's in the studio. She, that the guy's sensor tied that gets, up, and yeah, she and jumps she's on him. sexually assaulting him and holds the mistletoe above him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hilarious, hilarious. But but then also Claire races into hilarious. the studio and makes yeah. up with him on the. T- she's like. Damn, this guy that I haven't seen in 15 years left me a crazy voicemail and then told me to leave my job and then kissed another woman on live TV. That's that's the one for me. Got to do it. She also there's like the friend that you're literally like, girl, what are you doing? (laughs) What is happening? No. And she yeah, she buys him like the Kama Sutra book and then she brings up the Kama Sutra again. I'm like, girl, are you just so fucking thirsty? It was like Bill have some like she is. We don't know. Yeah, no, she was a little probably in that thing, (laughs) (laughs) which is also like, first of all, like, have y'all really not spoken in 15 years? Like she's been really waiting that patiently for him. He's been busy. To accidentally call her. She might be just as crazy as him. Yeah, exactly. He goes to her house and she's got like fucking mummified cats on the couch. (laughs) So crazy. crazy. (laughs) Yeah, no, this movie was eye opening. I think I've covered everything that I. Oh, there was something at the end. He kept saying like real men and real women. And I was like, no, so did you not get that? That was all ad libbed. So what happened was. so. So what he was doing was um, he was he was walking up to the camera and he just started ad libbing right and he was he okay. just had done like a little small part in a little shop of horrors that's why I was like saying uh, feet we see more and then what he was actually doing is he's talking to people in the audience in the theater he was set, telling yeah. them to sing and he's like people on the left um, you know but then he says real men right. and real and he's women like, real men but, he's like come on like real men to sing this song. That's what he's, he's oh, trying to get them to sing the song in the theater. So if you're, you're saying he wasn't being transphobic. No, is what he was. <laughs> no, I, I was like, 
I mean, this is 88. Like, I don't, I don't think. Yeah, was, I don't know if he was doing I, I don't even yeah, think don't he even, think. that even occurred in his brain. He was telling people in the audience. So if we were all watching the theater, he was trying to get people at the theater to sing that to song. Sing. Yeah. And did you guys yeah. sing while you were watching I sang it? I a little bit. I, I was feeling I it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. He's like, everybody I... on the left. And I looked over to the left and Ollie was like, can I help you? <laughs> Ollie's dancing around. I'm like, hey. Well, Mari said you have to sing on this, so better get into it. Um, David, I know you love like the fun facts. Were there any fun facts from this movie? Um, there were some fun facts. So all I think all three of his brothers were in this movie. Oh, Bill Murray's wow. brothers. Yep. yep. Oh, that's cool. So his dad, that when he was a younger kid in front of the TV, that's Bill Murray's older brother, and then his actual his fake brother in the movie that gave him the picture frame, that's his little mm-hmm. brother. Oh. Yep. Yeah, that's that's really cute. Exactly. So yeah, I like said that. that he wanted the um, it wanted the script reworked, but like um, you know that band that was playing that he he, mm-hmm. he like yelled at, uh, like Miles Davis was on set in that oh, band. Wow. Yeah. So um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Can I ask you guys a serious mm-hmm. question? So the one guy comes to set and like basically holds everyone hostage at gunpoint. And, um, then he like doubles his salary and, and like hires him back. Do you think that guy really went back to work there? Or do you think they were just like, yeah, absolutely. You're going to work here for sure. This guy held a gun. The guy tried to shoot Bill I Murray. Think considering the fact that this is pre nine 11 and mm. not a lot of like mass shootings, yeah. it probably wasn't as big of a it's question like for the audience of like whether or not he went. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, I mean, I, I, it popped in my head. I was like, "Ooh, HR is uh, it's not yeah, going to like this at all." <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he did snap. He did snap and bring a gun to the office, but um, he's really sorry. Yeah. And Bill, Bill said he could have twice his salary. But, so. I, I got another one. So Carol Kane, um, she was the ghost of Christmas Present. Um, mm-hmm. she like broke down a couple times on set because she didn't like hitting him and like being Aww. aggressive with him. Yeah. Wow. And then, um, she pulled his lip at one point, right? She actually tore the, the skin in between the lip and his like under his Oof. teeth and they had to stop oh, no. shooting for a little bit because she tore that. Yeah. <gasps> she, yeah. That sounds so painful. Yeah. She's, she's in a but Kimmy Schmidt show. Bill she's Murray's really idea. Yeah, to she actually is have him have her slap him and stuff like that. Yeah, she. Was I do miss with her. the. I miss the physical comedians. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just I love that. Yeah. I do. And I think that they're I mean, remaking this movie. Of course they yeah. are. We always pick movies that like the new remakes coming out. Um, yeah, Bill. I mean, Bill Murray is like a fucking legend. Mm-hmm. I think I've said that a few times on the pod, but like he's just. I mean, I, I love watching him in all of the Wes Anderson films. He's just, his face is so elastic. And like, even yeah. in this movie, when he's playing more of like a jerk, because I think usually he's a bit more lovable or a bit more like, yeah, goofy. This is definitely his meanest role that I think I've seen him in. Or maybe Groundhog Day, but yeah, he, yeah. He yeah, struggled he's, he's with a, that too a little bit, trying to be that character that's kind of a little bit evil and sinister, but then make it a, a comedy, right? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys think you would watch the remake? And like, who are they going to cost? I don't know if they've already done it. I don't know. I'm like, 
I'm such a fan of just like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like I, I'm fine with like remakes, but like I'm gonna be real, they rarely impress me. Mm. Um, I love sitting down and watching old movies. Mm. I was a film minor in college, so I will watch black and white. Do you mean when you were 15? <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> when you graduated college? <laughs> I. I grew up around that too. Like my my grandpa always was watching old westerns and and black and white films and everything. So I just like for me it's like why are we trying to redo this? Just keep watching it. Just put it on and and watch the original. But it's because it's, it's cool. honestly it's bankable it's, IP yeah, I think yeah. and and it's like the next generation <laughs> and so like the parents in theory will take their kids to be like oh I watched this when I was. But this know. only did like sixty million, and it had like a thirty two million dollar budget. Oh, so it wasn't like a crazy yeah, blockbuster. It was like the office. 16th most no, uh, profitable movie I that feel year. Like, um, I feel like Ghostbusters and Groundhog Day was definitely more profitable for him. Yeah, it was. Like, like I said, when you sent me the list, Scrooge wasn't like the one that popped up with Christmas movies, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's still good, needless to say. Yeah. I think it's also, I think it's also interesting because I think if sometimes you watch some movie that you love and you always watch and it's hard to be objective because you feel a certain type of way about it. And then when you come in with something that you don't know too well, it's always interesting to see like what pops out at you. Like yeah. I said to you guys earlier before we were recording, my eyebrows were in my hairline for a lot of this movie. Cause I just didn't really know, you know, you read a log line, you see a couple pictures, you don't know what to expect. And, uh, I was like, okay, did not know this was this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tried to watch it with Leon and he was kind of like, all right. Uh. <laughs> I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. David and I experience that all the time with our partners. Like I think Scott's, I think Scott's given up on, he's like, I'm not doing your homework with you. I'm like, babe, it's not homework. Yeah. It's fun. Like we're watching old movies or yeah, stuff we've seen before and like rethinking it. So I don't blame Leon. He was probably like, man. <laughs> Um, but Caitlin, I did want to ask you a couple more questions about yourself, obviously, while we have you here, um, for actors starting out now, what do you think is like a piece of advice that you would share with them? Um, starting out now, it's just such a interesting time right now. Um, I think for me, one thing I'm trying to kind of get grips of is this whole digital zoom effect thing that we're dealing with just because, um, that's how you're meeting people before you get cast. You know, mm. you're meeting people through a computer. And I feel like such an old person right now because <laughs> I'm not I'm not used to this. And, and it's literally a necessity. So um, I would say just your speaking skills. I would say trying to connect through a screen is even more important now than it was before because you literally don't have anyone in the room with you now. Like before... Mm. You know, you could go into the room and feed off of their energy and they could be like, oh, she looks like she'd do well on a screen. But now you have to prove by yourself in a room through a computer that you will work. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just crazy. And then other than that, the biggest um, lesson I've learned throughout all of this is take everything day by day. Um, Because like it's just a lot of ups and downs in this industry. And if you put all your eggs in one basket, if you commit your whole self to whatever possible ability is is at you then it can be taken away like that and you feel like you're left with nothing so just take it day by day day by day moment by moment 
That's great advice. I think that's, it's interesting. Um, you obviously have managers and reps and stuff like that. Can you speak to a little bit of like how difficult it was to find those people to be in your corner? Cause I know a lot of actors and writers and people are like, I need to get a manager. I need to get an agent. And I yeah. know your journey wasn't super straightforward. Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, everyone that I meet there is no, I mean, I haven't met one person in my entire career that had a super straightforward journey as far as their reps go. Um, so with that being said, every time I meet someone, I say, please learn from my like experience. Please learn from what I'm telling you and take it seriously. Do not rush into a professional relationship with someone because you feel like you need it. Like, don't. It's literally like dating. It's literally like dating. Like, Actors come out to L.A. and they're like, I need auditions. I need opportunity. Do you know an agent? And it's like, yeah, I, I know an agent. You can meet with them. And they're like, yeah, no, no, yeah, I know. I trust you. It's like, no, you need to, mm. like, have options. You need to ask the right questions. You mm-hmm. need to know that um, there are so many different resources available, actors access, um, breakdown services, where you can kind of, like, fill in the gaps until you make that decision. Um, because it's just not good to rush into. I've mm-hmm. changed reps a few times and um, I started when I was a kid. So I, I kind of had to like learn from my mistakes and like, you know, get different personalities and, and figure it out. And now I finally feel like I've found that good niche. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And, and the other thing is people are selling themselves to you. So you do have to prep and like have your interview down, have your questions down whenever you're meeting with your reps because they want you as much as you want them in a sense. You know what I mean? So they're putting on a great show. Mm-hmm. They should know some information about you before you walk in. Right, because it's not it's not just you like trying to convince them to rep you. It's like they need to be like, this is what I can, you know, like you said, it's a professional relationship. In a relationship, it shouldn't be one-sided and same with with your reps, right? No, it's like, I mean, it, it's like anything. This person is pitching you. They literally have your career in their hands. So like, not only do they have to believe in you, it has to be important for them too. Um, I'm not going to get my makeup done by somebody who hates doing makeup and doesn't really give a like a crap what I look like. Like, I'm not going to do that. I don't trust you to do my makeup. This is even bigger. This is the person literally bringing you the auditions, talking to casting, like all of this stuff, making the connections. They need to believe that you can do this you know what i mean definitely so one million percent that's that's really good advice yeah (laughs) well guys this is getting to the part of the podcast where we shout out someone from the cast or crew that helped make scrooged a reality so david would you like to go first yeah i'm gonna go with my guy james monroe tharp Junior, so he is part of the camera and electrical department and visual effects, but he also um, like did some of like the like the props and stuff like that, which I think went into the um, you know the visual effects part of this, which mm-hmm. which was amazing. Um, he was a model maker on this film, and mm-hmm. he's done. I mean, this guy's got a ton of credits. He's got camera electric department credits like 20 of them he's working on avatar 3 avatar 2 yeah he worked on suicide squad the jungle book the amazing spider-man um what's the i think he's actually yeah armageddon and then as far as like visual effects evan almighty pirates of the caribbean uh rain of fire so he's he's been doing his thing and i just thought that 
kind of department in this film was huge for a lot of the tricks they pulled off. So I just mm-hmm. want to say, James Monroe Tharp Jr., we see you and we appreciate you. And I'm excited about the avatars that are coming up. Yeah, we see you and we appreciate <laughs> you. All right, I'm going to go next. Caitlin, we'll leave you for last. Okay. I'm going to go with Jenny Lou Tugend. Tugend? I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your last Tugend. name. I th- she was an associate producer on this film. And I think when I scrolled down the list, you know, I saw a lot of dude names in positions of power. And because we were talking about, you know, women maybe not having so much of a, a seat at the table for, a, you know, at least portrayed in this film, I think it's important to say, you know, we see you and we appreciate you to Jenny. She has gone on to produce after this. She did a bunch of different things. She worked on all the free willies. Um, she's worked on Lethal Weapon. She was uh, on the TV show Masters of Horror. She's done Tales from the Crypt in the 90s, if you remember that. So I just think it's important. You know, producing is a really tough job. You now meet a lot more female producers, but I know it's like still a tough gig. So she was obviously kind of more junior in her career as the associate producer. And I just wanted to say, Jenny, we see, see you. Appreciate, appreciate you. Was she on the, did she do the original uh, Lethal Weapon? I think she did. Yeah. That's, uh, that she was did. directed by Richard Donner as well. Oh, there you go. So mm-hmm. maybe she like knew him. Yeah, she did the Lethal Weapon in 1987. She was still the uh, associate producer. Then she did the second one in 1989, and then she did the third one in 1992. Right. And but in the 1992 one, the last one, she actually got the title bump to co-producer. Yeah. So good for her. But yes, she probably knew the director and had you know a good working relationship mm-hmm. with him. So yeah, That's Caitlin, awesome. who have you got? Um, well, I kind of have always had the utmost respect for anybody in cinematography. So um, the director of cinematography, I went ahead and looked him up and it was just really cool because he directed one of my favorite comedy movies, Evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Michael Chapman mm-hmm. and he also did Taxi Driver, which I just Ooh. feel like it's a legendary is. Um, it's film. I feel like anyone associated with that should get props. Um, and, and he's got some other cool things like Raging Bull and The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. So I think that's really, really cool. Oh, and also, this is really sad. He's not with us anymore. Oh, no. He yes. died. He passed he actually away last year. died last year, September 20th. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it's COVID related or what, but um, I would like to give him his flowers and say that he did some awesome work. He did. We see you and we appreciate you, Michael. Well, now, my friends, well, first of all, I want to say, Caitlin, again, thank you so much for coming on this podcast and sharing your knowledge with us. How can people connect with you or find you on the internet? Where can they see you? All my social media is Caitlin Simone. So my name, K-A-T-L-Y-N-N-S-I-M-O-N-E. And yeah, I'm pretty good with corresponding with people on Instagram and Twitter. So yeah. Yeah. And they can, they can always, they can always go and find you on empire or, um, all the other shows that we mentioned. Yeah. Hulu, Netflix, all the, the shows are sprinkled around on there. Yeah. She doesn't Very play nice. favorites. Yeah. Um, but no, it's been great to have your take on this as well with your, you know, connection to the TV world. But guys, we do have to decide whether or not we think this film aged like milk. I'm going to let Caitlin go first. Cause she's the guest and she just did the last, Last shout out. Caitlin, what do you think? Mm, aged like milk. <laughs> Has it gone bad over time, do you think? I um, I 
don't know if it's gone bad. I think it's like a it's like a nice yogurt. It turned into Greek yogurt, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's kind of, it's not what it it's not what it originally was, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's still a classic. It's still something like when I have eat. kids, yeah, I, I want them to basically experience all the Christmas culture from right. the generations of before. <laughs> but um, yeah, it it needs some updating. It's still technically spoiled. Make sure you give it a stir when you get <laughs> yeah. it out of the fridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. David, what do you think? All right. So I'm going to say, <laughs> oh, this is tough. This is really tough. I, I'll say parts of it, like really small parts of it aged for me. Like you said, like some of the little like low key, like racist shots. So I'm going to say this is like some eggnog that you've kept around for a while. Like you're going to watch this on the holidays, but you might have to throw like some whiskey or some other booze in it just to get over yeah. the fact that you're drinking it's this fu- It's older... funny that you chose eggnog because you and Caitlin told me at the top of the show that you do not exactly. like eggnog. And that's what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at though. So yeah. um, it's aged a little bit. And this Scrooge is the top five Christmas movie for me. So... Like to be able to tolerate it, right? I probably got to throw a little bit of whiskey in there just to get over those couple little humps that I (laughs) that popped out to me while watching this again. But I've loved this movie since I was a kid. Bill Murray's one of my favorite people of all time, and um, I still enjoy this movie. But yeah, there's a couple little parts that I'm like, ooh, (laughs) (laughs) chunky. Uh, Well, I'm going to say that this movie aged like milk. I think this movie is not (laughs) smelling good when I crack the cotton, but it has a Bill Murray's face on the side. So I'm like, I'll just plug my nose and risk the shits and go go for it because I do love it. Take a smell and make Oh, sure. I'm going to smell and I'm going to gag and then I'll still drink it because Bill's on the side and I'm like, I got to love Bill. But now this movie is this movie's dead ass. Like, not, not, this movie is not doing well. And I think as well, I think you guys are different because like, I'm not American. I did not grow up this movie. This is this is not even my top 20 Christmas movie. I'm sorry. I love that you love it, David, but I'm like, this movie is so crazy. Literally, my I wish you guys could have seen me. My eyebrows were like this the entire time. I was like, I was like, what the fuck? I was writing things down. I'm like, he did this, he did this. He, the shooter guy came. She called him after 50. She yeah. came in. I'm like, this girl is crazy. So no, it's American but I Christmas still, story. We're about redemption. still drank it. I drank it because Wait, I love Bill. Have y'all like given your like top three Christmas movies? I'm just curious. I don't think we've said that, but let's do it. What are are your top three? Do you know yours off the top of your head? Okay, well, I know uh, A Christmas Story is definitely number one because my dad loves that movie and like we just always watched it. Um, And then we watched The Wiz a lot during Christmas. That's another tradition. Um, Last one. Maybe... I don't know. Maybe the miracle on. No, that's a that's not really. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Those are the two that come to mind. If yeah. I had to pick, those would be the two. Those would okay. be the two. Okay. Okay. Number one. Hands down winner is Love Actually. I'm sure that movie has problems. We'll have to talk about it one day. But oh, I, four, four Christmases. Sorry. Okay. Four Christmases. There you go. See, there you I, go. Was gonna, I was going to say Four Christmases was on mine too. But yeah, Love Actually is just like, 
Number one, I would watch it. Again, I think it depends on like what you grew up with. Like my mom and I would watch that every year. I'm actually going to Love Actually Live, which is happening in LA mm. this month. Oh, wow. Yeah. I bought the expensive tickets, uh, the A section with my friend <laughs> Kathy to go. I'm like, fuck it. And then, yeah, I think I love Four Christmases. And then I want to say like the family stone maybe, but I'm realizing that all of my choices are very white. <laughs> so I might need to go <laughs> and revisit. I think, I mean, okay. White Christmas. No, no, no. Hang on. Go so wait. the whiz. Love, love actually. Love actually. Love actually for Christmases and then like Home Alone. Sorry. We got to say Home Alone. Okay. I feel like oh, that's my sorry. number one. I never was a fan. Home Alone's oh, really? my favorite. Especially because the sticky bandits so i go home alone jingle all the way die hard okay oh and the santa claus i forgot about the santa claus david did you know that i read an article i tried to send it to you last night but i couldn't figure out how to copy the link because it was on my phone but there's a there's an alternative universe or like a theory if you take home alone like what if kevin McAllister is actually like a an angry ghost that lives in the house and that's why he can't go up or down because it's like moving on and also why his family seems so annoyed at him because he's actually like haunting them oh, I read this whole article where this like fan was like what if it's like the sixth sense where he was dead the whole the time yeah, but then why does she yeah. have to get home because she's like can't let go of his memory oh, gotcha. and she's like a, she's, she's the only one that's still grieving, grieving so she she like you know they're has, remaking Home Alone. Like they, they, did, yeah, they I think they it's out. Yeah. yeah, it's coming yeah, out. Yeah, it's like out. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Caitlin? I know you don't love the remakes. <laughs> well, I have to see. I'm not a fan of remakes either. Just like make something different. Yeah. 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 If it ain't no, broke. Don't fix it. It's a great question, and guys, we've decided that we all have different opinions on this very. Bill Murray Milk. Um, <laughs> Caitlin, again, we so appreciate yeah, you talking with you. us. It's. I Thank hope everybody you. goes and rewatches this film just for the laughs, just to see Claire just <laughs> be so desperate smart, for Christmas. It's not being smart. Babe, Women out there, don't. or anybody out there, if you got somebody you care about, be Claire. You know, if they text you at three in no. the morning on Christmas Eve, show no. up at their work the next day. Okay, go get your person. Yikes. No, yikes! The opposite, guys. If if you get a, a voicemail from a guy from fifteen years or a girl from fifteen years ago, just leave that one alone until the new year. Just wait until Send the a feelings. Text. Yeah. Send the text. Be like, "Are you okay?" Question mark. Just be like, "I'll reach out to you on January 5th. You know, like there's too many emotions around Christmas. People get all like upset and like it's a very like stressful time for people. Very like, true. Just don't do it. Just wait. Just give it a couple of weeks. Like if they're still the love of your life, guess what? They'll still be there. So, yeah. Caitlin, thank you again. David, thank you. love to do the podcast with you. Grateful for you at this merry Thankful time for of you, year. Dear. And David, you should check your fridge. And make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Because gross milk is gross. That's our <laughs> podcast. Follow, find us on Instagram. I don't know. Hit us Do whatever you Send want. us a Christmas card or something. Come to our workplace. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Track us down. Clear us. <laughs> clear us. <laughs> That's what? Don't clear this. <laughs> Maybe, actually, please don't clear me. Um, yeah. Happy holidays, y'all. We can't wait to keep talking Christmas reviews with you this month. And we will catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye.